strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I want to congratulate Mark Sloan from Tonopah. He won $100 as part of our 100 Days of Giving leading up to our 100th anniversary. We want to thank everyone in this community for having us for 100 years. Our anniversary is quickly approaching, and in the 100 days leading up to it, we are giving away $100 every single day to a listener during the week, and we're also going to give away $100 to the charity of their choice. He chose Toys for Tots. They get 100 bucks, and so did Mark. If you would like to be a part of this, all you have to do is text the number 100 to 411-923. That's 100 to 411-923. So I want to establish a couple of things that I believe to be true. Number one, that our economy is going in the right direction because of wise decisions that were made financially going back to the previous administration before the Ducey administration and the previous legislatures before the current one. What I mean by that is Governor Brewer, when she was in office, Jan Brewer is our governor, she was faced with a daunting task. When the economy had crashed, the Arizona State Legislature and the governor's office had to get together and stop the bleeding. I've equated it to being taken to the emergency room. The emergency room doctor's job was to to stabilize the patient, stabilize the Arizona budget, and make sure we did not fall off that cliff. And they did exactly that. And then to begin the rebuilding process. When Governor Ducey took office, the charge for Governor Ducey's office and for the legislature were to rebuild Arizona's economy so that we didn't find ourselves in the same place again the next time there was an economic downturn nationally. So the diversification of our, of our economy began, enticing industry to come here that hadn't been here before, bringing high-paying uh, manufacturing jobs to Arizona, which we didn't have many of before. We've had great companies that have been here for decades. Honeywell has been here, and Intel, and on semiconductor. And, and TGen, and there's a lot of companies, and I don't want to leave any out. Boeing, you know, there's so many great co- corporations, defense contractors, Raytheon. Um, I could go down the list. But diversifying our economy was something that needed to happen, and it was done intentionally. Uh, the tax base is was good, is good, and getting better. We are competing with states like Texas and Nevada. Well, Florida is further away, but them as well, that have a zero state income tax. So states are looking or companies are looking at states that offer something of a tax, you know, tax laws that is beneficial to them. But it's about land and it's about homes and it's about all these other things. And in order to be competitive, we've done a lot of work. So I'm going to start with that opinion. That's my opinion. And if you disagree with me, you're probably going to disagree with the rest of this. But what we've done with taxes in Arizona has worked in the way that we have seen it work before, and there's no arguing it. We lowered taxes. We increased the salaries of people by virtue of the jobs that are coming to Arizona, and we have seen the tax coffers of the state increase with lower taxes. So there is a flat tax that is supposed to be enacted that was passed by the state legislature back in 2021. But there was a ballot initiative where they got 215,000 signatures to stop this from being enacted until it gets approved by the voters on a ballot initiative. Here's where the and I, I've said it a 100 times. I'm not a big fan of ballot initiatives. I think that the propositional form of government is a lazy form of government and it's damaging. We've proven it in this legislative session with what happened with education spending. Education spending in Arizona is capped. And it's capped because of a ballot initiative voted on by the people of Arizona and passed back in the 80s. 
No way of knowing that 40 plus years later, it was going to stand in the way of Arizona schools being able to spend $1.2 billion that had been allocated for Arizona schools was sitting in the bank account. But because of this ballot initiative passed over 40 years ago, they weren't allowed to spend it until two thirds of the state legislature agreed. And it took a while for that to happen. It went down to the final week in the Senate. And you're going to be hard-pressed to find a two-thirds majority on anything in the Arizona State Legislature or any other legislative body. So I don't like props. I think propositions are a nightmare. So if this ballot initiative were to pass, it's locked in with the same constitutional boundaries as any other ballot initiative, which means if these if the people get their way here, you're locked in with their way. That number stands no matter what we do moving forward, unless you get another ballot initiative passed by the people or another two thirds majority. You are tying the hands of future legislators by doing this. So the plan right now is for the legislature to revamp the existing law, scrap the old one, come up with a new one, pass a new one in a special session that would lock in tax rates, but could be altered also by the legislative process. And we wouldn't need a two thirds majority. You would need a simple majority. Now, if that's kind of making your eyes roll back in your head, I want you to think of what would have happened. And you think about the dysfunction in government, even if we're in opposite political parties, you and I both have to agree that we put the funk in dysfunction at the state legislature and every legislative body. And they, you can't get a two-thirds majority. So imagine years down the road when your children are business owners or your children are the taxpayers or your grandchildren are the taxpayers, when they are faced with something where you have to get a two-thirds majority of the state legislature to alter the income tax and the way people are taxed in Arizona. It's a nightmare. It is an absolute nightmare scenario. And it's not unrealistic because it just happened with education spending. We had a ballot initiative here that was killed by the Supreme Court eventually called Prop 208 that was going to it was going to oppressively tax small businesses. I don't care what kind of bill of goods they sold you on the small amount of an increase it was. It was and for wealthy individuals that can afford it and they could it doesn't matter that they can afford it. You shouldn't target one tax bracket and make them pay for the majority of things. I thought that was wrong, but it was sinful in the midst of covid-19 to tell small business owners their taxes were going to go up 70 to 80 percent. Well, it was deemed to be unconstitutional by the state Supreme Court. But before that, before that happened, all that education money, all the fighting Arizona has done, all of the the grief that has been given to the state legislature and the governor's office about not spending enough on education, the money was allocated for education, $1.2 billion over what the Constitution allows as a percentage. So that $1.2 billion sat idly in a bank account. Teachers were worried about losing their jobs. School districts were worried about how they were going to cut millions out of their budget until the state legislature got to two-thirds majority in both the House and the Senate. And if you don't think that that scenario is possible with any one of these ballot propositions someday becoming a nightmare legislatively and having to scramble and herd the cats down at the state legislature, you're wrong. So for all the people that thinks politics is boring or what it isn't, it's necessary.
And if we're going to take legislation out of the hands of legislators and put it in the hands of voters and alter our Constitution, it may be something you think is 100 percent solid and good right now. Is it going to be in 40 years? And how do you get two thirds majorities? What about 10 years from now? Forget 40 years. Propositional form of government is a lazy, horrible form of government. And I'm glad this is going away and all the negative things being said about it, giving the finger to voters is absolutely not true. Voters vote for legislators, win districts, win elections, win control of the majority, and you make the rules. And that right now, it's almost a 50-50 split. So it it doesn't make sense to do it any other way. Catching you up in a moment. It's something called Did You Hear This? We do it to catch you up on the headlines. It happens in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get you caught up on the big headlines and the big newsmakers. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Yeah, it's been a busy day today, Mike. Earlier, the state's top pandemic advisor came on with you, and Dr. Richard Carmona said he's happy with how things are trending here in Arizona for the most part. There are more recent, more beds available, more ventilators available. We're seeing that there's less incidence of disease, but we're also seeing that it's still significant. So the message is we're still in a pandemic, although it's starting to drop off and the numbers are looking better, but we still have to be very careful. Mike, I know you follow all these numbers closely, so based on what he said, do you think that we're anywhere near starting to treat this as an endemic or yeah. we still a ways away? I think we are. I think that most people are already doing that and the numbers are showing that it is still trending downward. And that's what the good news is. The masks have been gone now for a few weeks and we are still seeing the numbers of cases and serious illnesses trend down. Hospitalizations are at 8%. ICU beds are at 10%, which both are lower than the week before. But we have gotten back to some sense of normalcy. When I go out now, I'm not seeing masks as often as I was before, the concern is still very, very old people. And um, it says over 65, but when you dig into those numbers, the older you get, the worse it is for people with other, you know, the comorbidities. So we are seeing the significant number, 79% of deaths in the past week, 79% are people over the age of 65. We should be focused on those things. And if we do, we'll be much better off a month from now. You had a great conversation with Dave Ramsey last hour. He covered a number of topics related to the economy, but there's something he said about the housing market that caught my attention. There's been no foreclosures to amount to anything in the last 24 months to 36 months because of the mandates and then the uh, the moratoriums. And we're getting ready to see the foreclosures start hitting the market again. The reason that's going to help is that's going to put more of a supply of housing on the market. Now, assuming Dave is right about the foreclosures piping up again uh, in and it will drive down the prices or stabilize them probably, right? Or could it also lead to a homelessness problem if people are losing their houses? I think what it, it, in Arizona may be the exception to the rule. There is such a high demand for houses here in Arizona. I don't know how much of an impact on pricing something like that would make because we have a much higher demand than most of the country. Our inflation rate due to housing, a lot of it is the housing prices both in rental and in homes to live in. It may help the rental market for people buying invest- investment homes and then rent them out. But I don't know that it's going to change the price much because the demand here is not going to go down. I believe the demand in Arizona is only going to go up. 
You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every single day at this time on the show to get you caught up on the headlines. Uh, President Biden still not sending U.S. fighter jets to help Ukraine, and Republican Senator Lindsey Graham believes he knows why. I think what happened here is I think Putin threatened the Biden administration. If you send the jets, it'll be an escalation, and he folded like a cheap suit. Is that what happened, Mike? I don't know. I don't, and that's that's what's frustrating. I don't know. Lindsey Graham has got a lot more of an inside track than I do, and when he says I think he may have information I don't have. But what's frustrating to the American people, the president laid out his $800 million plan of what money that we're going to be giving and and supplies we're giving to help them fight the war in Ukraine, which, and they are, they are, uh, you know, uh, tools of war. We're giving them to the Ukrainian people. We're giving them anti-aircraft. We're giving them anti-armor. We're giving them machine guns and ammunition and grenade launchers. I don't understand how this is crossing a line or what the reason are what the reason is for not giving them jets i wish the white house would explain more in detail of what's behind that decision then i could say whether or not i think it's that he folded and finally in new york city today the annual St. Patrick's Day Parade, which means we're all supposed to, you know, uh, eat corned beef and cabbage, drink Irish beer, whiskey. Mike, uh, what's your favorite St. Patty's Day tradition? You know what? I have friends that used to throw, uh, they throw a big St. Patrick's Day party every year, and uh, um, they go all out. And so I don't know if it's so much the tradition, it's just that I like hanging out with them because it's a big deal to them. So um, I don't have a favorite tradition, but I will say I, I love corned beef, I love cabbage, so it's a great day for me. But it's fun that my friends are so excited about it, and hanging out with them on a day like this is really cool because it's always fun to watch your friends get excited about something like friends that love Halloween. I love going to their house for Halloween. I love hanging out with these friends when it's when it's time for St. Patrick's Day. And I know that's kind of a sacrilege because I am half Irish. So what I've done is I've just I've made my people angry. I, I just it's not my thing, you know. I mean I don't. Mm. I get it. I, I normally don't celebrate too much, but I did go out yesterday and get a a thing of Irish cream. So I'll probably enjoy Irish a, a cream. Shot of that you party, you party animal. Yeah, I'll have at least one. Uh, is it a shot? I don't know. And, that tonight. <laughs> here's a, here's another thing that's kind of odd about this. One of the drinks that people drink on St. Patrick's Day. And by the way, I'm just going to give you a public service announcement. Be careful because I think next to New Year's Eve, this is the highest drinking day of the year. The cops know it too. They are going to be out in force. But um, this is almost like in the cancel culture we live in. Do you know that one of the most popular drinks on St. Patrick's Day is a drink called an Irish car bomb? Oh, yeah. yeah. I could see where that could get you in trouble. And I would. And and yeah. So, yeah, yeah, when you I don't know if that I I don't know why people aren't offended by that. You know where you're going to There are people out there ordering Irish car bombs. Eh, you know, in the cancel culture we live in, I'm not that's sure a that's a, order. Yeah, that's a I'm not order. sure that's appropriate. But you know me, I'm always about being appropriate. Um, coming up in a moment, what we're going to do is talk about inflation. Um, we've got to dial in what's happening here. Great conversation with Dave Ramsey and what his advice is to people. But where are we? Whose fault is it? Isn't necessarily the issue. It's not about fault or blame, but it is about what you can control. You can control things in your home. And there are things that governments can do to control things as well. Are they doing their part? That's what we'll address next.
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. So the question is, what are we doing? Are we doing enough to alleviate inflation as best we can or manage inflation as best we can as a government? Is the state government doing it? Is the local government doing it? Is the federal government doing it? Because this is a major federal problem. I'll give you an example. The state of Arizona, no, we understand that we are outpacing national inflation, and a big part of it is housing. What are we doing? They're contemplating changes to zoning laws and the requirements to get things done faster so that more homes can be more easily built. Nobody wants to sacrifice quality. But at the same time, there's a lot of things we can do to expedite the process to make things easier. Are they going to do that to fast track some of these multifamily dwellings to do these in areas where before you had to go through a you had to jump through a lot of hoops for the zoning changes to make it get done? So that's the question is, are we addressing the things we can control individually? You're forced to. But are the governments around you doing it? And here's where I have an issue. I want you to hear a couple of different things. We've been hearing for a long time, the president of the United States has said that it was COVID and the supply chain issue that was causing the inflation. Now we're hearing everything is Putin's fault. Putin didn't invade Ukraine till almost the first of March. And yet they want to tell us that the previous year's vast increase in gas prices is the fault of Vladimir Putin. Well, that's that's a narrative that just doesn't work. But we continue to hear. Here's the White House press secretary talking about what's to blame for inflation. The invasion of Ukraine and the volatility of the oil market is no excuse for excessive price increases, profit padding, or any effort to exploit American consumers. No one should capitalize on Putin's aggression by taking advantage of American families. So demonize corporations. Now, I will tell you that as oil prices go down and they're down about 25% from their peak, we should see a drop in fuel prices. We should. And if we don't, then we do have to go after the oil companies and the producers and say to them, why are gas prices still high? Why are you not bringing them down for the American people? But it goes even further. Elizabeth Warren was on with uh, CNBC. She takes it in a broader sense. Now that we live in an America where there's a lot more concentration in certain industries, look at the oil industry, look at uh, meat industry, look at groceries generally, that what's happened is these companies have said, you know, we'll pass along costs, but while we're at it and everyone's talking about rising costs, let's just add an extra big dollop of cost increases to expand our profits. So demonize the business world. Let me explain to you what happened in Venezuela. In Venezuela, going all the way back to uh, to Chavez when he was there, they decided that they were going to make the businesses run according to certain laws, and if they didn't, the state was going to take over their businesses. So not only did they say, we are going to force you to raise wages, But they also knew that wouldn't do any good. And if you look in the real world, the way we have it set up, that here in America, you can make the minimum wage whatever you want it to be. But all you are going to do is increase the cost of living so that those people making the minimum wage do not have any significant change to their way of life. Not at all. Look at what we've done. We have a $15 an hour minimum wage here in Arizona in many places. That was a a law that was passed. Your lives are not improving because the cost of living is going up dramatically. So the only way to do that is if you then demonize the businesses and say, look at all the money they're making. We're going to cap their profits. 
And it destroyed the entire Venezuelan economy. But demonizing capitalism, demonizing companies that earn a profit, demonizing the word profit is is dangerous to me. It is a scary proposition. And they are not taking responsibility for the things that they can do. Let me give you a couple of examples. Number one. House Democrats blocked the energy independence bill. Experts, GOP experts, slam this as an unconscionable thing. House Dems just voted against a measure by House Republicans to consider the American Energy Independence from Russia Act, a critical bill that would unleash American energy production. The White House has gone to Venezuela, who we just talked about, and that horrible regime and what they're doing to their people, that oppressive regime that's there. We've gone to the Saudis, who didn't take our call. United Arab Emirates didn't take our call. We're listening now to the Iranians. If we change our rules and lift our sanctions on the Iranians, they say they'll up production. We are going to all of these enemy nations that hate us and asking them to increase production. So to all of you climate people out there, all of you out there in favor of climate control and the climate change is demonizing everything, what are you fixing Whether we pull it out of the ground or the Iranians pull it out of the ground at a greater pace, how is that changing climate change on this planet? I would even argue that your your plan is making it worse. Who do you trust to be more energy efficient, to be more environmentally conscious, us or the Iranians or the Venezuelans or the Saudis or the UAE or the Russians or any other country? We would be the most environmentally responsible, wouldn't we? And yet we've turned over production to those countries. They are asking other countries to up production, and they're not doing it here. Here's another one. The governor of Texas says that blocking um, that uh, Biden is blocking Texas providing, from providing natural gas to fix the European crisis. And Abbott said the only thing that they have done that hinders the ability – The only things that they have done that hinders the ability for Texas to get energy out, whether it be in the in this country or the world, is slowing the permitting process on things like liquefied natural gas, LNG. Here's another one. They pressed 19 financial companies on fossil fuel boycotts. If you remember that, they wanted a boycott by companies financing fossil fuels. This has been an this has been an, a full frontal assault on the fossil fuel industry by the Biden administration from day one of his administration. So you can complain and let's 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 say he's right. Let's say what Senator Warren said and what Jen Psaki said is happening. It isn't in the way they're saying that. I don't believe it. Demonizing corporations never helps. But instead of arguing with that point, why not ask them the simple question? Why aren't you doing more? It is true that President Biden stopped the Keystone Pipeline from being completed. It is true that the Biden administration has made it much more difficult and has bragged to his base about making sure that it's tougher to drill. The Democrats this week This week in the United States Congress are trying to get a climate emergency declared by executive order and outlaw drilling on all federal land. The president said no more uh, permits. The president has said in the past no more drilling, no more fracking. The vice president said I'm against fracking to applause of a room. 
And they have gone from day one, getting back in the Paris Accord and the other things they've done to assault the industry. And that's what caused the original price spike in fossil fuels here and around the world. You add into that supply chain issues from COVID-19, then you add in in Russia invading Ukraine, and what you get is a perfect storm. You get a perfect storm of $5 a gallon gasoline in the state of Arizona and records set across the entire nation for average gas prices. And they're doing nothing to reverse it. So they can play the blame game, and that w- that's what politicians do on both sides of the aisle. But the American people don't care. They know that you could be doing more, and you're not. That's why the policies of this administration, especially right now with the timing of it, are immensely unpopular with the American people. Immensely unpopular. Coming up before we get out of here, I want you to hear something. Uh, We had Dr. Richard Carmona on with us earlier talking about COVID. And I asked him specifically about what was happening in schools and unmasking kids. It was a fascinating conversation. I want you to hear what Dr. Carmona said about that. And then I want you to hear from a major school district right here in the Valley that isn't listening to the science. We'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, it's simple to do. Do it right now. You'll never miss a minute of the show. It's the Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. You can sell your home for cash for the most money by going to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. Dr. Richard Carmona came on the show this morning and we were talking about the science and where we are as a community, where we are as a state when it comes to COVID-19 and the new numbers. Trending much better, less hospitalizations, more ventilators, more ICU beds, more beds in general. Everything is good. I asked him about young people because by far and away, highest number of serious illness and death is with older Americans and especially here, older Arizonans. So I asked him about kids and masks in school. And he said this. It is very difficult to learn with a mask on. So you're trying to balance the child safety and optimizing the learning environment. So most school districts now where children can be vaccinated five and above, uh, we're still lagging a little bit in that regard, but we're still encouraging those vaccinations, still washing hands where you can do a little social distancing. All of those things help to stop the spread of disease. But we must remember we're in our third year of this. People are COVID exhausted. Our children are struggling in schools. So it's trying to find a balance that protects our children let's have them get the mask off so let's go to dr chad geston who is the head of the of the phoenix union high school district young people i'm going to give you the numbers once again let's talk about the science in the past week uh children under the age of 20 are a are have 0.3 percent of hospitalizations with one In the past week, one person in the entire state of Arizona, and we don't know what their pre-existing conditions are at all, one one person has been in the hospital because of COVID-19 in the past week in the entire state of Arizona. There have been 191 hospitalizations of people over the age of 65. They make up 63% of those. There has been one death. Now, that's one death in about a month or so. Of people under the age of 20, one death in the entire state of Arizona. 
Just in the past week, there have been 364 deaths of people over the age of 65. They make up 79% of the deaths. There's your science. And you heard the doctor say, now I didn't ask him specifically about Phoenix Union High School District, but in general, harder for kids to learn with a mask on. Let's get the masks off the kids. So Dr. Geston, people are ready to come back in the Phoenix Union High School District for the fourth quarter. And he gave about a two and a half minute, hey, let's go get them speech and said this about masks. Phoenix Union continues to track the spread of COVID in our zip codes. We serve 32 zip codes right now. Most of our zip codes are moving out of the red, but we still have several that are still in high spread. We'll continue to track our zip codes. We are hopeful in the next one, two, maybe three weeks, we'll be able to make an announcement that will change our masking practice from required to strongly recommended. So Maricopa County has told, has followed suit along with everybody else saying Maricopa County as a county, not by zip code. We aren't going by zip codes. Maricopa County is outside of the red area and they dropped the mask uh, suggestion for people in Maricopa County. Uh, We're back out. We're living life. Um, I was just I just went and had a meal at Hillstone again, and it is an older crowd most of the time. My age and sometimes a little older, there are young people that go, but it is not uh, it's not a kid place. There's not a lot of kids running around Hillstone. Not a mask in sight. But we're masking kids. This is what infuriates me. And, and maybe you I don't know, maybe you don't get mad about it. It's not so much that this is about a political statement anymore because that's how silly we got with we were so we were all so frustrated with covid that we went after each other politically about stuff and it became a political statement and all those things. This isn't that. This is about the science. Not only is the science saying it's safe to take the masks off. The science has been saying for a, the better part of a year plus that it is it is not conducive to good learning to have younger people being masked. Period. That's what the scientists are saying. Dr. Richard Carmona ran as a Democrat here in the state of Arizona for public office. He was the Surgeon General of the United States. And he said, let's get the mask off the kids. Harder to learn with masks on. There's your scientist. He is the chief advisor to the governor. Now, to be fair, I did not target Dr. Geston and his policies, I did not ask a specific question of Dr. Carmona about the Phoenix Union High School District. In general, as he said, it makes it harder for kids to learn when they're masked. The county is doing excellent, and Dr. Geston now believes he can cherry-pick zip codes and data to keep masks on kids. And the people in Phoenix should be furious, not by politics, but by the fact that you are also seeing data that said it is adversarial to learning for kids to be wearing masks while at school. And yet, because of the pressure of the teachers' unions and his connection, and I will tell you, Dr. Geston is in lockstep with the AEA, the AEU, and their policies and what they want. And because of that, because he didn't want a bunch of upset teachers that might walk off the job and do another a sick out like they've done before, he's keeping the masks on the kids. You as a parent, you're the one that can change it. I just thought you'd want the information. You've got the science. You heard Dr. Carmona say it. It doesn't make any sense to me. It, it makes me angry. 
All right, you can hear the music means I'm just about out of time. Social media users at Broomhead, K-T-A-R on Twitter. If you see a snarky comment, that's from me. That's me doing it myself. Um, And if it's at Broomhead Show, it updates you on what's happening here on the show. Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. If you want to trade pictures, it's kind of a cool place to share some of that. We'll be back tomorrow morning, beginning at about 8 a.m. I appreciate your time today. Talk with you tomorrow. God bless.